for transcreation. There's still so much nuance and creativity involved that NMT is just not applicable. Hello, everybody, and welcome to SlaterPod guest segment. Um, today's guest segment is with Tanya Bogan, Managing Director of Craft London. Tanya, I'd normally start by asking where in the world the podcast finds you, but obviously this is our very first in-person podcast and we are here in the craft offices in London. So welcome to SlaterPod and thank you for, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, I've, I've followed Slater for... Uh for many years and it's really cool to be here with you in person after years of not being in person. Absolutely, I know. Why don't we dive straight into um, a bit about your professional background and how you got into localization and, and creative translation? Sure, sure. So um, I actually started my career in radio, which is, this is like reminiscent of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was, I managed a radio station, I had my own show. Um, and then from there, um, I realized I needed a real job, quote unquote. <laughs> Um, and I got into project management and I worked uh, in project management at uh, one of the biggest translation agencies in the world. You might have heard of it. I'm not going to name it by name. Um, but yeah, my career started there and I was actually in the medical field there and I was doing uh, linguistic validation and cognitive debriefing of patient questionnaires, which is interesting in a cultural uh, manner of speaking, because actually there's so much to do with how those questionnaires can be tested in the public uh, with the public that has uh, has those conditions. Um, so there's definitely a relationship there. But I moved on from there um, to um, uh, localization marketing, uh, marketing localization and transcreation, um, to working at WPP. And I did that for a number of years. And from there, I, um, I ended up at Kraft. And I came to Kraft to run, um, well, run Microsoft. Um, it, was, it was at the time when um, that account changed hands from WPP to IPG. And I was sort of poached over. And um, yeah, I worked my way up. I, I was working in, in New York for many years. Um, I'm from New York originally. Um, and uh, yeah, from, from that point, uh, I went from leading that business to um, transcreation and translation operations. Um, and that's when my, my remit started to expand a little bit. And I went from specifically translation, localization operations and um, process and technology to the wider remit of uh, regional operations for all of production. Um, and then from there, um, as I got more and more anchored into the London operation, I took over as managing director for the end-to-end -end production facilities in London, which include not only transcreation, cultural adaptation, localization, and technical translation, um, but all the way to content creation, content production, um, audio, you know, print, TV, digital production. So really the end-to-end -end offer um, for our clients and agency partners. And I've been doing this for, um, I guess, now coming up to 13 years, something like that. It's so interesting that development you described from being in, you know, taking care of kind of patient questionnaires to yeah. so what you're doing now. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, there is definite applications there because uh, in, when you're doing cognitive debriefing, you're basically trying to understand cognitively what patients understand and, and what will elicit a particular response. And there's a relationship to transcreation uh, where you're trying to elicit a laugh from someone in China, you know, from master content that's coming from America. Um, and, and while it, it might not be med medical in nature, although actually frequently it is, um, maybe not the laugh part, but... Uh, <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it, there's definitely a, a similar degree of process that we have to follow from a cultural perspective to make sure it fits right with that audience. And there's uh, and and actually my my training and background in that sort of stringent 
um, technical workflow has really helped me uh, bring a custom and bespoke set of rigor to an otherwise industry that has very little rigor in it, you know, right. um, which allows me to deliver consistent results for our clients. But tell me a little bit more about Craft as a, as a business, as a company. Yeah. What are the range of services that you're delivering and what sure. are some important client segments? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I like to consider us uh, uh, the best uh, content agency. So content and adaptation. So when I talk about content creation, I mean um, making things. You know, we, we bring creative ideas to life. That's our reason for being. And that's sort of the, the moniker of, of, and our tagline, as it were. Um, bringing creative ideas to life. But part of that is all of the elements that go into that. So that's, um, as I mentioned, you know, the the core services of um, uh, TV, online, social, print, and digital production. Um, there's uh, creative content from scratch. So that's uh, even uh, ideation and, and making things, you know, from either from a sentiment or uh, an original uh, idea. Um, um, or adapting uh, adapting an idea. So, for example, if you've got a master campaign from an, from a client that has all these different elements, adapting it for all the local marketplace, and that doesn't just include transcreation, translation. Although that's a huge part of it, um, that includes the the cultural nuance uh, analysis bit at the front, and that includes adapting all of the the physicality of the asset, the pictures, the imagery, the relationship between the imagery and the words, um, and obviously uh, for the local the formats for the local marketplace across all media. But beyond that, we're underpinned by a world-class technology platform, um, and that's uh, not just tying in our, you know, our bespoke cat tool, um, as well as um, a workflow automation and, of course, a business management tool and um, production automation technology as well, which is baked into that. So we do things like digital content optimization, um, you know, marrying um, the media to a translation and production engine um, to make content move really fast. You know, there's so many things that have changed, um, and especially AI, which we can talk about in a bit. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. So just uh, give us a sense maybe of how of the size of transcreation, translation as, as right. within the business. You asked me how big the age. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So as an agency, so we've, we're, uh, we're 1,400 employees um, in Europe, uh, sorry, globally rather, uh, 26 different offices. Um, London, uh, Craft London is the European headquarters. Um, we've got uh, over 100 satellite uh, offices. Uh, amongst those 1,400 production specialists are, of course, the language management team and, and, the, and the project managers. Uh, we work with over 3,000 approved linguists, over 8,500 voiceover artists that are part of our network as well. Um, and the important thing there is that all of those people are based in market. Um, for us, we made the decision early on that uh, if we're going to uh, bring ourselves to market as a cultural localization agency that really takes nuance into account, you really need to work with people that are local, native, and based in market. And that's very important to us. Um, as far as post-production specialists, you know, we have people in the studio, people like our amazing audio engineer who's sitting here with us today um, monitoring this. Um, and uh, yeah, end-to-end -end production specialists along with, uh, with the, the writers and also, of course, cultural experts, strategic planners um, that work to, uh, you know, help us out with our cultural consultation business. So in terms of the profile of person who would be doing th this in-market in person, is it a translator? Is it a copywriter? Who Who's the typical profile of the person delivering Oh, it's just someone we find on the street. It's oh, yeah? Just, yeah, just a basic, you know, layman. No. 
do you speak English? <laughs> I do speak multiple languages. Um, no, it's it's it depends on the brief, right? So it's different set of profiles for different requirement. And we're actually certified uh, by 17100. Uh, ISO 17100, that's uh, language service certification, and that's obviously certifying our resources. And that means that whoever we put against a brief needs to have a certain set of minimum qualifications and experience in the industry, and we have a very rigorous testing process. So the person that we pair to do a project that's, for example, a cultural consultation piece will be a cultural a strategic planner who's formerly been a creative director at a local agency. Someone who's doing... Um, technical translation for medical white paper or, uh, you know, uh, a legal contract will have uh, years of experience in that field. They will usually have a master's degree in the industry and the specific, um, the specific vertical, in addition to having a minimum of five years of translation experience um, and obviously having been tested by a bespoke examination um, within our company. And beyond that, another test specifically that might be um, requested or submitted um, by a client. So, Let's put it this way. It's I, I don't like to make this joke, but it's still true. It's quite it's quite hard to to be approved to write for for craft translation, um, to be a translator, to be a writer. Um, the acceptance rate is let's let we're the elite. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You're talking about, you know, you having the kind of cultural consultation yeah. and obviously translators as well. And then also putting in place these kind of rigorous workflows, yeah. because I imagine there's quite a lot of back and forth and revisions especially oh, yeah. in a creative setting how do you manage that transcreation is not an exact science so much so like the way that we evaluate quality in a translation and localization is completely different from how we would evaluate quality in a cultural piece or a transcreation which is you know a mix of copywriting and translation uh, we don't even call them uh, translators we call them transcreation specialists because they're not quite copywriting but they're definitely not translating um, we have a bespoke workflow that we use we have um we call it like sort of our, our magic sauce. It's, it's, it's years and years honed a, a, a methodology that we've honed that's been really successful. But the, the phrase first time right methodology doesn't really apply to a creative science, you know? Would you even call it a science? I don't know. Um, it's something that you get right over time by really partnering with your clients, you know? And we also, um, we work with um, a platform that actually allows us live brainstorming so our cultural experts and writers and our clients can, will, will actually meet live on this platform. It's a bespoke platform to craft. Um, and they have a discussion about the, the, the initial brief and the content before they even start writing. And that is like, that is a thing that makes it really a lot simpler and easier of a process and makes the client, our clients feel like they're taken along in the journey. I think we already briefly touched on content types and, and what it is that you're delivering, but could you explain a bit more about what kind of projects and what kind of content it is that, that you're working on typically? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's across all media and channels right now. Social is huge, right? So we're, we're doing a lot of uh, workflow management, community management on social streams as well, local community management, which is something that, in my experience, translation agencies don't typically do. Um, but it's something that we've been able to marry our, you know, account management and technical technical teams with our writers and basically cut the workflow where you got where you might even go for straight from like a creative idea or a brief straight into local language without any English in between, which is a completely new way of thinking okay. about it. Right. Like mind blowing. Um, but you have to do that these days when you're working in social um, in particular with clients with very short timescales and very um I would say demanding, but actually it's more particular um, local market representatives in, 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 in the markets that really know what they want. Um, and also, I mean, the world is changing. You know, 
the local markets and brands, they realize how much power they have now to influence the, a, a global brand. You need to be really, um, really deferential for those, for those teams and make them feel like they're part of the conversation. But back to your question about what content types. I mean, of course, there's the, you know, the, the, the usual TVC, right? The, 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 that old amazing format. But then right now it's all about online video. It's um, uh, from a technical perspective. I mean, we do a lot of technical work for, for medical, pharmaceutical, um, legal, and financial services. So there's definitely a big part of our business that handles white papers and things like that. Uh, clinical research protocols, you know, ICFs, like all of that. Um, but on the other side of it, You've got taglines, um, commercials, um, online video scripts, voiceover scripts, radio, that old medium. Love radio. I'll still always love radio. Print, out of home, a lot of experiential stuff. We're doing a lot of localization now for the metaverse, um, okay. which is, I mean, I don't even want to open that. I don't want to open that can of worms. That might be for, should. That might be for another, another combo, but we're doing a lot of work with AI right now. We do machine translation, neural machine translation but we use it for very specific requirements. You know, that's not something that we, that I would allow my team to do for transcreation because it's still a human-driven business. Um, and there's still so much nuance and creativity involved that, uh, you know, NMT is just not applicable, in my opinion. But it's almost like when you're talking about doing the ideation or sometimes not even from, not even involving translation, just from a shared brief, then yeah. where even would you apply machine translation? There's nothing to, there's nothing to translate yeah. per se. I always say that, you know, the advent of technology and AI is like, obviously, it's something that we work with a lot these days, but you still need a human to feed it commands. The algorithm is still based on human knowledge and, and intellect and cultural nuance. Uh, the person still needs to know what's going on. The machine can't pick it up just like that. The machine searches the world for existing information and packages it in a way that people can understand, right? But that information, getting that information still comes from someone telling it what to do. And that's kind of our way of surviving in the industry because I see a lot of translators now posting on LinkedIn and everywhere saying, you know, oh, crap, what's going to happen to us? You know, in, you know, are we all going to just automate everything? And the answer is, well, you ha yeah, you have to adapt. Um, but it's, there's definitely, there's always going to be a need for, for, for what we do. Well, so you said machine translation only in very specific use cases, but tell us a little bit about the other kinds of technology that you, you are employing in your workflows. Yeah, sure. Um, well, obviously, workflow automation. I mean, that's basic stuff, you know. Um, using the best-in-class cloud-based cat tool. Um, I've worked with so many different uh, tools, you know, from DL World Server to, um, to XTN to XTRF, like all of these different tools I've, I've sampled. We've, we've picked the best one, I think, we've, we've, but we've, we've kind of rigged it the way it works best for us. Um, so that's the basic technology. But then there's the technology that, that um, communicates between um, the media partners that we have and uh, direct translation. So it's like, um, it's, it's part of the, the DCO engine, um, you know, for, for dynamic content optimization. So you're going from um, instructions from, from uh, media that they get online based on their tools from Salesforce, and that gets translated directly into us producing that work automated and then localizing it on the fly. So it's pretty cool. It's like a kind of an always-on content thing. Um, then there's, of course, uh, if we're going to, we talked about machine translation, then we can talk about deep fake technology, you know, um, uh, companies like Synthesia. Yeah, I was going to ask about your your partnership with them. Yeah, well. I'll talk about that as well. Um, Stefan's a good a good colleague and friend of mine from for a number of years. Um, he's one of the founders. Um, 
uh, yeah, there's there's that technology. There's of course Chat GPT and and OpenAI and and all of that stuff is 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 now in progress with us looking at you know real world client applications for it. Um, but then there's uh, there's there's uh, there's SEO optimization as well. So that's another core thing that we do um, SEO. And then there's there's some secret stuff we're working on at the moment as well around image optimization um, and automating that. Um, how do you culturally adapt an image from, an, you know, uh, one, the master image, you know, featuring people? And how do you figure out what's the best localized version of that? And can you speed up that process instead of going to the local market? So we're, we're, we're doing R&D on that now. I remember lo looking into or at least seeing a few research papers on that topic in terms of, sort of like lip synthesis and, yeah, and things yeah. like that, which is very interesting. As well. I mean, we went from just, um, you know, facial deep fake uh, with, uh, you know, with the synthesia algorithm. We're now, now we're, we're deep faking entire bodies, you know, and um, and that's being used on shoots. Um, uh, another big thing, which is, you know, uh, kind of off to the side of translation localization is uh, virtual production. Um, but actually, it's part and parcel because sustainability is is massive uh, for my company um, and myself personally. And with virtual production, we're able to uh, recreate the most intricate and incredible backgrounds that you'd never know. Um, and again, pairing that with um, the technology that we use to translate and localize, and it all kind of fits into one giant ecosystem. And I think the what I tell my teams, is, and I also tell this to translators because I'm still at my core, I'm still a translation project manager. Honestly, I might be the the MD of a production company, but I think it never leaves you. To be it honest. never right, it never leaves you. It's it's always with you, and and I have a lot of um, you know sentimental value around the written word, um, and I always tell people this: like, don't be afraid of technology. Like your your brain is always going to be necessary. There's a certain romance to it. It's never going to die. People need it. Just be open to it. And that's why we have kind of our hands in a couple of different pockets. But we also don't spread ourselves too thin. You know, I'd like to invest in things that have real world client applications, you know, like, you know, well, we can talk about the metaverse, but that's like a kind of a separate topic. But I know a lot of people are talking a lot about it, but no one really gets how it's going to help them. And for me, it's 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 part of the tools that I use to help brands communicate to their audience. So you're translating for the metaverse. Is that it's 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 beyond that. Mm -hmm. It's 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 architecting worlds in the metaverse mm -hmm. and using copywriting transcreation to do that. Because when you're meeting somebody in the virtual world, how do you speak to them? Mm. Right. If you can't understand them, you need a translator there. Mm. <laughs> and that translator could be a machine or it could be, um, you know, it could be, you know, the standard transcreation process that we use. But you have to adjust it for that kind of platform. Mm. And it's clients that are asking for that? Clients, um, but also proactively, we do a lot of briefs for just, you know, you know, things that we believe in. So, yeah. All right. So bringing it out of the metaverse. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, no, it's great. Well, um, can you maybe give us a, an example of a client case study where transcreations played a big role? Yeah, for sure. Um, I might even go a little bit into the past. Mm. Um, some really interesting stuff. Um, so we used to, I can talk about this because they're no longer a client. It's okay. been a couple of years, but. Um, uh, a luxury uh, airline, Gulfstream, um, back in the day, um, back in the day, it wasn't that long ago, we helped them figure out how to name their a series of their planes because their planes have a, have a combination of letters and numbers. And together, that combination could have, you know, all kinds of um, superstitious, uh, 
you know, transcreation feasibility implications in different marketplaces, particularly in APAC, where uh, letters and numbers combination have real serious, you know, consequences for people's feeling about flying. So we had to do this huge, like, naming, branding, cultural consultation to figure out what combination would work. And we helped them choose an algorithm that allowed them to name a series of their planes, like, you know, in perpetuity, for instance. So that was one example. Um, but that was more, that's more on the cultural side. Transcreation-wise, um, you know the tagline from Coke, uh, Taste the Feeling? Yes. How do you adapt that? We did that for all of the African and APAC markets. Okay. Yeah, I suppose a, a literal translation could go quite wrong. In, well, it's synesthesia, right? You're conflating the senses um, to taste a feeling. It's not a thing. How do you explain that in Burma? <laughs> not just in Burma. Burmese is like the font is, doesn't have Unicode. So how do you write it? How do you, what font do you use, right? Right. Um, it's pretty, pretty wild. Um, yeah, so that was a really big project. That was... Um, and I think Coke really saw the benefit of working with Kraft in that instance because we, it wasn't just a, you brief us, we give you options, you know, which obviously basic stuff, you know, options for transcreation. We actually worked with their marketers and had a lot of, you know, a lot of conversations with them to try to get to the bottom of what it really meant, not just from an English perspective to kind of appease the global team and their, their goals, but also figuring out what's important to them locally and how we can communicate that through through language um and it was really successful we did like i think we did um 15 apac markets and then we moved into all the african markets okay um and i'm sure you've heard this before i mean there's no single point of truth for some of those languages um you know different words they have there's no there's no dictionary even um so figuring out how to gap how to how to bridge the gap culturally between Sizotho, Hosa, like um, Swahili, you know, it was pretty crazy, but we did it. Yeah. We did the production end to end and it's, it's, it was used in all the, they're out of home and, and billboards and everything. And it was a big success. Nice. Thank you. And then um, we were going to talk about the Synthesia partnership as well. You mentioned them. Oh yeah. A okay. Times, and you worked with them on a, an advertising campaign, I think for Australia. Is that right? Yeah. It's for one of our major clients. Um, uh, for uh, for Just Eat, um, I think everyone's seen the Snoop Dogg ad. So yes. that was that was Kraft London. That was us, um, and we also did all the localization for it, of course, um, which was challenging. Um, and where Synthesia came into play really was that uh, the Just Eat brand is not Just Eat in every market. Uh, different name for the brand in Germany, Netherlands, all over the world. Um, so what we did was we uh, we used the algorithm and the and the, and the software to uh, map um, Snoop's face and um, obviously uh, enabled us to, with a custom VO that he pre pre-recorded, um, we didn't have to reshoot him in, the, in that context, which would have been extremely expensive, right, yeah. to fly to LA just to do that um, with the list of all the different brands. And it was a, there was a merger at the time, so those names were even changing. So it was um, success in terms of sustainability, success in terms of you could never tell that, you know, the the way the mouth was moving wasn't really his mouth. It was it was a Snoop avatar. And like I said, it went from us using um, facial uh, a deep fake to us using, you know, body deep fakes for, for other clients, which, you know, are in progress right now. Yeah, it's super interesting, that space. And we, we had some these on the podcast not, not so long oh, ago. Oh, right. Yeah. Amazing. A year or so ago. Amazing. Know, time flies. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> and the other really, really key, I think, example is um, we've been using a lot in e-learning. Um, so, uh, for um, this is, I'm not going to name the client, but it's for a fast moving consumer goods, um, big, big brand. And they have a medical division that they were just opening up. And we took, um, 
basically we did an end end solution where we took um it's like thousands and thousands of pages of white paper content created a script out of that because they needed to train their teams and how to explain what this what the what the new division does um and we fed it in, into um a custom avatar that we made for them um with a custom vo in the back and paired it with an e-learning module that trained their teams and the template that we've created out of English is now being used in local and is being localized in all the different markets and languages using the same avatar. Right. Um, and it's, it's it's been a massive success. Um, obviously, it's for internal use, but it's I think for their you've spoken to Synthesia, so you know, like the the platform that they have. Um, it's like a self-serve platform, basically. Um, e-learning is a great application of it. Any others that you can foresee sort of in the future? Oh, gosh. I mean pairing like open ai now with with deep fake you can create a shoot out of nothing with with without re, without any actors with a couple of prompts with a couple <laughs> of prompts but you know what despite all the couple of prompts and everything else you still have a computerized voice and unless you use an original vo so you can automate pretty much every process and you can put ai into every process but the spoken word is still the spoken word and it sounds it, it it might it's getting there it's getting there to sound like real but it's not quite there yet and you still need a voiceover artist and you still need transcreation and you still need copywriting to get it right so just finally why don't you tell us about some of the key initiatives um that you're going to be working on in 2023 and beyond well, we've done we've done a little bit on of talking on ai so that's um that's like i said there's a there's a new platform we're working on um that's uh, we haven't gotten a name for it yet. You can call it the craft culture calculator or something. We're trying to figure out um, how we can uh, apply SEO principles to image um, okay. to basically get um, nuances, cultural nuances translated into images and try to automate that process a little bit to give clients some some ammunition when they're thinking ahead of how to use um, images culturally appropriately okay. in the different markets. Um but a lot of work that we're doing now is in, in, in client applications, uh, in AI and and um, and OpenAI, ChatGPT, how we how we can use it. Because I mean, it's it's nice to do these like brand collaborations that I keep seeing on LinkedIn, which are amazing and really cool. But also, there needs to be an application for brands um, that's more sort of uh, straight to market, right? Um, and then the other thing I think, um, me personally, cost of living is going up. And I still want to protect this industry and protect translators and writers. And for me, it's really important to to continue to uphold some of the principles in the past, you know, paying people the right amount of money, for example. Like if you look up, I'm very big on like the prosy blue boards. Like if you look okay. craft up on that, I think our rating is really high. I want to keep it that way. I want people to feel like regardless of the technology to be uh, to be motivated to work with us because we treat people right. Because at the core of our business, I think it's still the people business. Um, and that's still a big initiative for me continuously, right? Um, but then sustainability. So one of the things that AI helps us do is to increase the sustainability of our productions. And that's not just in translation, transcreation. It's, I mean, that's really in how we do shoots and how we how we produce ads, uh, we produce uh, videos and all of that. Um, and that's a really big focus for us, uh, reducing our carbon footprint to zero. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some of the, the big things that we're working on. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for sharing. Thanks for being with us and, uh, yeah, super illuminating discussion. Thanks, oh, thank Tanya. you so much, Esther. Thanks. Nice to be on here. Bye. 